0: Okay. Okay. Another episode of the Things I Wish I Knew About Pod. Uh, sorry, Things I Wish I Knew About Money Podcast. I'm your host Camille Smith, and I have a lovely guest on today, Mr. Raymond McMillan. Welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for attending episode 120. That's, Thank you. Uh, that's a <laughs> The grand number thank
1: you, very number. Much. <laughs> um, uh, thank you very much for being here
0: no because i've i've been noticing you on dr vibes um platform for a, i believe what i i think i've been religiously watching his show since june july and i've noticed every month that you've blessed the stage with your knowledge and we were even able to bless the stage together. I was like, "Oh my gosh, he's so amazing! I need him to be on the platform as well." <laughs> and then here we are because we were able to personally meet each other about two weeks ago. So that was an honor. So I had to—I knew I had to, you know, put on the good suit <laughs> <laughs> to be able to have you on and all that great stuff. Uh, so welcome, welcome.
2: Uh, thank you very much.
0: Oh, and and how's your Saturday going so far?
2: Oh, very good. We've got sunshine. So once there's sunshine in Toronto, I'm usually very, very good. Right. Everything else
1: is is subjective.
0: That is true, especially because it's been it's been quite cold lately. But uh, no real complaints because it could be worse. But you know what? I think this is the perfect day to be able to to have a lovely discussion, all that good stuff.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, they're turning the clocks back, turning the clocks forward starting this evening. So yes. we have nicer evenings starting tomorrow. So yeah. we can spend more. We get, I, think the, I think the sunlight in the evening is more valuable than the sunlight in the morning. I and agree. I, that more, <laughs> I, wanna, I prefer a bright evening.
0: Exactly. Me, me as well. Because um, nothing makes me more pumped up than having, you know, actual an actual lovely day in the evening. Because I, I'm in the office most of the time, but I I can't wait for those walks in the evening um, and all that good stuff. What about you?
2: Uh, same for me. I mean, I I'm an early riser, so I enjoy the morning also i do a Mm -hmm. bit of photography but i mean i prefer to have my sunlight in the evening when i leave the office i can at least get a three or four hours before it gets dark i don't mind
1: functioning in the dark in the morning it's not a big (laughs) deal awesome
0: awesome (laughs) true and i i'm pretty sure the folks on here are like wait wait who is this person he does photography at in the day or in the evening or throughout the day I should say and then also is a is a hard worker who is Mr. Raymond McMillan <laughs> and all that good stuff
1: uh, um, you want the closed version or you want the extended version?
0: I want the version that, that you're comfortable with, you know, because <laughs> it's all about making you comfortable and all that good stuff. Uh,
2: I'm Raymond McMillan. I spent most of my time in Canada as a mortgage broker. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up Guyanese. I was born in the UK. Uh, my mom took us back to Canada when I was younger. Mm-hmm. My parents separated when I was very young. But I had the privilege of being raised by my forefathers, as in F-O-U-R, not Um, F-O-R-E. I had three uncles, my grandfather, who raised Mm. me. So I never really felt the absence of my father until I was an adult when my first son was born. Um, Mm. I lived briefly in St. Lucia as an adolescent. I went to school there for a few minutes. Um, That was a great experience. And then I went back to Ghana and the university in Ghana. Um, the mm-hmm. opportunity to go to the UK and go back to the UK and the university was put this place in front of me, um, among other places, to go into my, my undergrad. But I mm-hmm. opted to stay in Ghana and do my undergrad there. I did a great job in economics, graduated in 1989, and I mm. came to Toronto the day after my final exam. Really? <laughs> just to see what this beautiful city had to offer me. I've been here since then. Um, when I landed here, there was a bit of well, not a bit. There was a major recession in the late '80s, so I walked yes. into that environment. Um, you know, there was not a lot of opportunities for me, so I worked in retail. For probably before, I think five years. Yeah. Within six months of moving here, of actually six months having that that position, mm-hmm. um, I got promoted to management. Um, but if you ever worked in retail, it's one of the hardest jobs at the lowest space. So I had no desire to pursue a career in retail, unless mm. you went to the corporate side. But I mean, at the at the retail at the store level, yeah, uh, it's it's as long I was, You know, you're on your feet all day, and the incomes are not anything to write home about. So I, I can um, only
0: imagine how it was then. <laughs> Compared to well,
2: I mean, now. the good thing—the good thing was there was no Sunday shopping. So I worked basically Monday to Friday, um, mm-hmm. and then I worked some Saturdays. I think I worked one Saturday a month. Actually, the Sunday shopping what made me leave retail even faster,
3: yeah. because
2: I had no desire to spend my Sundays um, in a store trying to deal with any customers. It doesn't make any sense to me. So once they started Sunday shopping in, in Ontario, that was my. Um, Exit ticket from mm-hmm. that sector.
0: That makes sense. And then that's when you got into the financial industry.
2: Well, my my um my background, my undergrad degree is dropped in economics. So it's urban studies. So my intention was to get into some sort of municipal planning department <laughs> and work in the area that I was actually academically trained in. That was a very futile exercise for me. Uh, There was not a lot of opportunities for me as a young immigrant. I was probably in my mid twenties at the time, twenty five, I think, at the time.
3: Yeah.
2: Um. So, you know, here you meet a lot of people. I started to meet a lot of people who were in different areas. A lot of them were were stockbrokers and bond traders and investment advisors and that sort of stuff. So, you know, and most of them you know were men in their 40s and 50s who i think by all means had done pretty well for themselves financially Mm -hmm. Um, so i got to knew very well and one went on to mentor me um, extensively so yes i got licensed as an insurance advisor Mm -hmm. i think 1994 i think um, and then I joined one of the largest insurance and investment companies at the time in Canada, which was standard life insurance company. Um, so that was my entrance into the, um, I don't think they're still around, I'm not too sure.
3: Yeah. But that was I, my entrance
2: into stuff. the, into the insurance and investment industry.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I got all the necessary license
1: to sell other products over and above life insurance products. And when it
0: and how is that experience overall compared to mortgage?
1: Um, it was interesting. I mean, mm. I don't think industry has changed
2: significantly since then the way they were you into the industry. Um, you know, the idea is that you can make a lot of money. That's how they try to recruit you most of the time and you you know they tell you to create this list of potential prospects or clients, and you name a hundred people who you know. Usually, you start with your family and friends and your close circle, and you okay. convince them that they need to buy some life insurance before they die penniless. Um, so my first year was very successful because I had my inner circle. I played a lot of soccer at the time, so I had a very large network of young, young friends and couples around me and people i worked with in the past. So the first year was very successful. Um, yes. And then the second year, the well ran dry. And, we, and you know, that was it. You know? <laughs> um, you know, they trained you pretty well. It wasn't, yeah. I guess, for me, it was just a different time. You know, it was um, a lot of my clients who had the means to buy the product were um, not Black. And being very young. Um, you know, many of them had difficulty dealing with a young Black immigrant, giving them financial advice. Um, So it was a bit challenging at first. Um,
3: mm-hmm.
2: I did have a few Black clients. I mean, of them still um, have some of the insurance products. I sold them up to today um, because, I mean, we sold good product. Yeah. So I said, ha- I didn't have the right pool of people to sell the product to. You know, but um, it was it was an interesting experience, and I, I, nonetheless, and I, I enjoyed it. I met very interesting people. I had mm-hmm. two very good mentors, which
1: actually got to shape me for the rest of my journey.
0: So I guess the the key thing with certain industries is having great mentorship. So
2: I think that to... is. I think that's the same for any um
0: mm-hmm.
2: any. Thing you do in life. I mean, if you want to, if you want to scale fast and and have success, I mean, you want to, you can't learn it all. You're never going to learn everything. So mentorship saves you time. By finding the right mentor, I mean they will share their experiences with you. That you know, highs, the lows, you know, what to do, what not to do, and how to get from A to B or A to okay. Z faster than stumbling through it on your own, making the same mistakes they made twenty years ago. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've been fortunate throughout my my time here um,
1: in Canada to have some very good mentors in every area I've gone into over the years. Yeah,
0: you you did say something that sparked me is is um, getting there faster with with someone that has the knowledge, I think, and. Um, something you probably can relate with as well is just like there's sometimes like the younger generation I'll I'll speak for myself that wants to learn on their own and then be like well it's it's new time I I just want to push through and be able to learn it on my own instead of learning it the faster way but that causes mayhem (laughs) sometimes do you find that
2: yeah, that's part of the the, the growth journey. I mean,
0: mm-hmm.
2: as I said, my gran- i grand by my grandfather primarily. Yeah. Um, he was my primary male influence. And, you know, I am a little older today than I was when I lived with my grandfather. And as I look just at myself like today,
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah,
2: just a bit, um, <laughs> a lot of the things that he did, you know, the way yeah. he dressed, the way he carried himself, uh, his financial IQ,
1: uh, the risk he took, I have become that person. Okay. So, you know, even though I didn't listen to everything he said
2: at the time, um, yeah. I still do many of those things today. And I mean, not a day goes by where he's not part of my thought or my conversation, you know, and I left my grandfather's house 30-something years ago. Mm-hmm. And he passed to be probably thirty years ago, I think, or somewhere around there. But I mean, every day, I mean, his—he was so impactful in my upbringing, of who I am today. That you know I mean. So I mean, I have a, my eldest son who works; we work together, mm-hmm. um, and um, you know, I—I I think he listens a lot, okay, because I share with him the good and the bad. So to allow him not to make the mistakes that I made, particularly
1: in North America. You know, yes. you know, it's a little more difficult here as a person of color to rebound if you fall face down.
3: Mm.
2: Right? Because you know, there's not too many resources to help you get back up. Right? I think it's easy in the Caribbean to make mistakes and and survive because your your network is 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 larger. Everybody looks like you. You know, what I mean? they might not forgive you and forget what you did, but okay. if you're well connected, you will still mm. get away with murder sometimes. But here, <laughs> our network is almost non-existent. So there's not too many who can pull you back up if you if you fall, right? So you've got to be very careful how you navigate this landscape.
0: That's interesting you say that because I've never heard someone say that in the Caribbean or maybe I have, but um, just not remembering at the moment that you have a better advantage in the Caribbean than here, because normally what happens is people leave the Caribbean to come to North America to have a better life. And I'm I'm Uh, guessing that's not the way you see it per se, based on what we've talked about earlier?
1: <laughs> uh,
2: some people do, not mm-hmm. everyone. I mean, in my experience, most of us left to study and go back to the Caribbean. Okay. Um, I had a pretty middle class of bringing in the Caribbean, so I didn't leave the Caribbean for a better life. I left for different reasons. Um, growing up in Indiana in the 70s and 80s, the mm-hmm. country took a turn into a very corrupt environment. So there was corruption, there was crime. So those two things were my catalysts Yes. To leave in Guyana. Um, but had I wanted to live in that environment, I would have possibly done extremely well there. Um, yeah. I mean, they came on university campus to recruit me when I graduated from university for, yeah. a, for a government position in Guyana.
0: That's exciting.
2: So, yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, not everybody who lives in the Caribbean is leaving but even a sad story behind them.
3: Mm.
2: Uh, and many of my colleagues who have left the Caribbean spend time here and have gone back and they have very successful businesses in the Caribbean. And I mean, they've gone back to Ghana and other parts of the Caribbean. So, I mean, it depends on
1: your circumstances. Mine were a little different. My living was a little different from, from most, and, than, than most people. That's
0: interesting. and. So then you were investor, investment advisor, was able to to have a lovely first year. And The second year it got a little rocky, and then you became um, a financial advisor.
2: Or throughout. It got, the it got very rocky. Yeah, a little rocky. It got very <laughs> rocky. Uh, <laughs> I had what was called a voluntary car in possession. I found to leave myself a brand new car because I was flying high my first year. I found myself a really nice car. And, you know, the next year I had to drop it back to the dealership and me, you know what, thank you very much, but I can't afford this bad boy. Part of the journey, right? So, you know, part of part the of journey is. You know I dropped the car off, hop on the bus, went home, and I found myself a job. Um, wow. And I did that for two years. You know, mm. we, we, we grew best. In our failure sometimes. But the job I had with one of the major banks as a branch advisor. Yes. And those two years are very valuable. Uh, I learned quite a lot. I was what they call a high net worth advisor to the bank mm-hmm. I worked with. So I dealt with clients who had a certain amount of liquid investable cash. And I quickly learned the investment landscape of the top, probably 5% paying population. Um, I met very interesting people. Um, a lot of clients I dealt with, some of them were younger. At the time, they were mm. probably in their late 30s or early 40s. Yes. Um, some were immigrants, some were Canadians. Um, but, you know, the one thing with client interactions is that both parties learn. The advisor learns and the client learns because they're sharing their experience and their journey and their story. So sure. they got from where they were. Some of them inherited wealth, some created their own wealth. Um, some lovely. came from countries with crises, so they brought their wealth here with them. So for me, it's a, it opened my eyes to a very large cross section of the Canadian population who had money,
3: mm-hmm. and the
1: things they did to protect their money, make more money, and provide for their future generations. Um, Some of those folks
2: spoke English as a first language. Some of those folks didn't speak English very well. Some of those folks were multi-generational Canadian. And some of those folks had no family in Canada. So for me, being an immigrant with no family in Canada, it allowed me
1: to put aside the excuses and focus on building what I needed to build.
0: Putting aside the excuses, and I'll well, ask a different question because do you find that Canadians kind of have that excuse uh, with with not being able to um, have like generational wealth, and then 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 others that you saw in the top five percent of of that network? Because
1: well, you know, many of them were actually.
2: Many of them are actually Canadians who mm-hmm. I saw. I mean, they were predominantly Canadians, but there was okay. there were also immigrants who were from the Caribbean,
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh, English-speaking Caribbean. There were some who were from parts of Eastern Europe. Um, some were from Hong Kong, because at that time there was the uncertainty between Hong Kong and China, whether Hong Kong was going to go back to mainland China. So many of those Hong Kong Chinese came to Toronto.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, you know, I had clients who were Italian, right? So we had a cross-section of clients um, through the branch and branch I worked out to. But, you know, so no, I think everybody, I don't think anyone had an excuse okay. for what they were trying to accomplish. It just allowed me to get a really quick crash course
1: in this society through a different lens. That's what it allowed uh-huh. me to have. That's
0: a, that's a great way to, to see. Yeah the different side of of the folks. Uh I think I've noticed that as well. Um I do need I like how you said top five. And usually people say top um top one percenters, not the top five percenters. That's a that's the first time you're hearing that.
2: Well I think the top one percenter guys who were wealthy. And they move moving mm-hmm. different cir- circle. You know, they've got private banking advice and sort of stuff. But I think getting to the top 5% of, of North American society is actually pretty attainable for many of us. Hmm. If you look at what the income level is, right? That's and then true, what, that's what the average net worth is. I mean, the income level is somewhere between 250,000
3: 250,
2: and above, mm-hmm. right? Um, household income. And then the net worth is whatever you want your net worth to be. So you want to have a network worth <laughs> of it, you know, $5 million, $10 million, $20 million. Yes.
3: Um,
2: and so I think for many of us, particularly immigrants, it's not, if you buckle down and really do it, we can get there, um, you know, get the top 1% you deal with, you know, the, the little wealthy, right? You deal with people whose, you know, net worth are in the hundreds of millions of dollars or the billions of dollars. And, you know, for many of us, we don't meet those individuals, we meet their 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 team. You yeah. never sit across from them, but it's easier to meet that five percenter if you move in the right circle than one percenter.
0: That is true. So that actually, that's a great way to see it because uh, even though I, I know some folks will hear this and they're like, Camille and Raymond, 250,000. It is possible, especially if you build like a family and be able to um, make wise decisions uh, to be able to accomplish that. And I believe you started that with like real estate investing and all that good stuff.
2: Well, I started the mortgage brokerage industry back in 1999. but well, actually, let me let me recount that. I left the bank in ninety nine, and I did traded okay. for a few months, not to sure what I wanted to do because mm-hmm. I was trying to figure out what my next move was going to be.
3: Yeah,
2: um, and then what I wanted to get involved in was fee based financial planning. So I set my own financial planning consultancy. Uh, I developed a pretty wide knowledge of mm-hmm. the uh, of the stock markets and you know investment funds and all that good stuff. I actually started an investment club individuals in the late 90s. And they, had, they had done pretty well. So I got to Subtle the investment club, we managed it. And um, it was actually very, very successful. Um, yeah. Everybody has went along their separate ways and did their own thing after the club started fizzled out yeah. after a while. Um, but for me, it was my first level was financial planet. Okay,
0: right? I, so, I love how you said fee based. Cause... Yeah,
2: yeah, Phoebe. So I'm not selling you product for commission. I'm basically consulting with you, build your entire investment portfolio. And then you can buy your product however you choose to. So you can open up a on the account, you can open up this one for your account, you can buy your insurance through Kitty Bank. I mean, this it's really relevant to me. But mm-hmm. you know, we were doing holistic financial plans where we look at your debt, you know, you know, your your income and where you wanted to be in 15, years, and what kind of retirement you wanted to have um so I moved to Mississauga Well, actually I, I lived in Mississauga sorry but I had an office in Mississauga okay uh, with a colleague of mine who's an accountant and many of the people came into his office because I came from the bank had credit yeah. questions <laughs> they were all self-employed and every time they were oh you work for the bank but I've got a question for you so I used to get you know I used to have four or five people a day in my office asking me questions about getting business loans and how they get a mortgage to be Mm self-employed. And very few people had the kind of money to invest to give me a sustainable income to take care of myself and my family. Because I remember I'd already stumbled once a few years ago, going from here to zero very, (laughs) very quickly. Mm -hmm. So I had no plan to have a repeat performance. Correct. And then I met one of the most successful brokers in Toronto. I'm not going to call his name. He's now actually very involved in many of the association in, in the GTA.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: he said to me, well, with your background and the fact that you work for a bank, you yeah. would probably have very fast success as a mortgage broker because you have the credibility of being a former bank employee. And I said, well, you know, I'm not really interested because coming from my position at the bank, we saw mortgage brokers as the scum of the earth didn't put them in high <laughs> regards I mean that's just how the banks saw them right so wow. that was my
1: thinking
2: coming mm-hmm. from you know one of the big five financial institutions you know and the role I came from so then he took me to his office a few times and we had lunch a couple of times and you know and I kept on getting more and more questions from all these clients So I did the mortgage broker course, agent license um, yeah. and that was it you know mm-hmm. first year I made no money I think I made like nine hundred bucks the first year because, um, yeah, yeah, you know, because most of my clients at the time were buying pre-construction homes. Okay. So you had that, you know, that that um one year to sixteen month closing, but I had no debt, you know, I had no debt. I had a small car loan I had to get rid of. Um, I missed a few payments here and there along the way, but that's the, that's the chance you take when you're trying to do something and you know what you're trying to accomplish. True. And in my second year, I jumped to six figures and, you know, that was it. I never never stopped from there.
0: Golly, how did that feel?
2: Uh, well, I kind of expected it because, I mean, you can see the pipeline growing. You know, I kept good mm. records about my uh, my transactions and what's closing and everything. So, I mean, once the, the revenue started to come in, you know, it was expected. It wasn't like yeah. a surprise. I mean, it felt very good. Um, but yeah, from there, it just kept on going year over year. Yeah.
0: Okay. um. Because, and I'm I'm glad that it didn't turn out the same way as being an investment <laughs> advisor, because you know, the first year, was like, <laughs> and then you like saw it skyrocket, and then you're like, oh. As long as it stays this way, we're (laughs) A-OK.
1: Well, there are two different careers.
2: I mean, the 5% rule and the 95% rule. So 5% have access to money to invest. 95% need money to borrow. So if I'm on the other side of the equation, Mm -hmm. I'm now acting as intermediary for the lender, there's many more people who actually need money to borrow that have money to invest. For me to make a significant income
3: mm-hmm. right?
2: So, True. And now I was also much more experienced because I had the experience of working for an investment company. I had yeah. the experience of failure. I had the experience of working for a major financial institution. I had met all these people along the way. I saw the system in place
3: yeah. and the
2: branding in place that the banks use, how they market to their clients. When I came in to be an independent consultant, you know, in nineteen ninety nine, I had learned so much. Mm -hmm. in those five years that no university course could have taught me. No business program could have taught me what I learned in those five years. No MBA program could have taught me that. But I saw it firsthand. And my my best teachers were part of my clients because I watched the things they did, how they understood the way to use overnight lending rates to take advantage of large sums of money, how they moved money around. Um, how they took risk in the real estate sector and that oh. sort of stuff. So that was
1: my exposure to those five years. So that was my MBA program, probably
0: and and it, and it was basically free, yeah.
2: <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. That, there was no tuition loan attached to that that, that yeah. economic that that program yeah, it was it was it was free. Yeah. Nice. Uh, a look at it. I never thought about it that way
0: because like, and and I like how you said that because. And I'm not telling folks not to go to school because you still need that discipline and and.
1: Knowledge. I have a first
2: knowledge. degree, so no, I'm not yeah, telling anybody. Yeah,
0: exactly. Knowledge. I have
2: an undergrad degree in economics.
1: I just exactly. did a master's degree.
0: But I know like some, I'm not gonna say all millennials think that, oh, I can learn it hands on and just have that that success, but it's it's not overnight and you you kind of do need some discipline when it comes to that. And just the different knowledge, you did get that hands-on experience, but you also had your very holistic, like with the knowledge that you had and the growth throughout the time. So it's good to have both experiences.
2: Yes, but my foundation goes back to my upbringing in the Caribbean with my grandparents and my family. I mean, a lot of my learning was in the home. I mean, we had an extensive mm-hmm. library in our house. Um, my grandfather was a shareholder for mm-hmm. two of the largest liquor producing companies in the Caribbean, um, the Gar and DDL. So I was exposed to shareholders' meetings and, and a pretty high level access to financial information and conversations that perhaps many people from the Caribbean aren't being really exposed to, uh,
4: mm-hmm.
2: as, as, as kids. And so I was, you know, all conversations were a lot more detailed. I mean, my grandfather built a home, um, And I was next to him with the contractors. I think I was eight years old. I think you went to to buy lumber or spoke to the contractors. Like I knew the whole process of that project. Um, And I couldn't be more than 10 years old, but I was still in in a very low grade at the time. Mm
3: -hmm. Uh,
2: But I think a lot has to do with your, you know, that early foundation, you know, the people around you, um, what they're doing. Because if the folks around you in your early, Years have very limited thoughts and how life is to be lived. Yeah. Then it's very hard for you to fight out to that mindset as you're an adult. So I never was exposed to limited thoughts as a mm. child. Um, you know, one of that my grandfather tested was the phrase, I don't know.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: If he asks you a question response was I don't know, then his next statement you need to find out. So, <laughs> so if he ask me for words, you go look, you will get a dictionary. Or you've yes. in an encyclopedia. There was no Google back then. And oh, no. 19- oh, I
0: remember
2: encyclopedia. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, like late 1960s or 1970s. You go and the encyclopedia, you, you go into the bookshelf and you find the right book and you try to figure out the answer.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And today it's the same thing, today it's much easier. So I think to today's population has much more access to information that will help them to achieve things uh, very easily. The difference today is that there's a lot of noise out, out there today and inaccurate information. So you have to be very mm-hmm. careful who you're listening to and mm-hmm. where you get your information from. That's the difference. But I mean, the University of Google, you know, <laughs> you didn't have any question answered in two seconds, you
3: Well, know? I had to go to the library
2: when I was a child. I had to get, get on my bike and ride to the library and go into the library with my library card and look for a book and spend two hours trying to find it today in two seconds.
3: I know, all
2: you need is your phone. Yes, all you (laughs) need is your phone and Wi-Fi. So that may have made us lazy to some some extent, Um, but I I've managed to combine that upbringing with today's technology, which allows me to quickly assess, analyze, and make decisions.
1: Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Technology is a tool, right? To make our lives easier. It's not the end-all, be-all, excuse me
0: and And you know, technology is a tool as as so is like leveraging or cash flow and all that good stuff. And what? because you had great mentorship or um, father figures, of course, have you i I know you've done mentorship. Is that something that you strive to to provide that mentorship for other folks so they're able to Become part of that 5%. <laughs> um,
1: let me get a question one more time, try to so get clear. I have yes. two things there.
0: Okay. So, the way that you've been able to have great mentorship, like the foundation to be able to succeed in life, how are you working towards that as being a mentor to others for them to, to be able to? become as
2: successful as you are. I think my first responsibility when comes to mentorship is to my children.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: That's my first responsibility. That's where my time is spent. Yes. I, think as a, I think as a father, that's your role. Regardless of the circumstances of the parenting mechanism, it's mm-hmm. your responsibility as a father to first take care of your own. Charity begins at home. So yes. I have spent my time, you know, in conversation with my, my kids. So, we spend a lot of time with our children, both yes. have those conversations. Um, so, whatever content I share with my client base, I have yes. always share to my children first. That's my first responsibility. Um, and yes, I have mentored individuals in the Caribbean. Many folks have reached out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and they come back up to, up to a few days ago. The gentleman I met uh, on the Dr. Bike podcast actually uh, nice. he called me few days later, and you want to come by and see me. So I'm never too busy
3: mm-hmm. to see
2: anyone who wants to see me. And I never ask them why they want to see me. So it's, it's like a surprise meeting for me. I never ask them, why, what do you want to talk about? I never do that. So if you cut them you want to come and see me next week, yeah. so give me a time, mm-hmm. right? Once you're at 2 o'clock, okay, that's fine. And you come, and me have a conversation. And the conversation usually flows organically. Uh, yes. you know as a gentleman who who has a business out in the East End. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to call any names. he's has a, he's launched a very successful business. Um, and he has product and all that stuff. and some pharmaceutical stuff involved in his product. And you know he sat to me for two or three hours, and you know we had a lot of conversation and I gave him a lot of insight. and you know he had no no contractual agreements with mm-hmm. the chemists who was actually mixing his product. So I started to ask him questions. I said, well, if your chemist dies tomorrow, what happens to your formula? You didn't even have the formula his product. So, you know, so the mentoring is is is, is across is across the board. Um,
4: mm-hmm.
2: I've had young men who've had uh, you know problems with the law in the past. They may have done time. Um, I make no judgment on anyone, any anyone's decisions, um,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know, except for some kinds of crimes, which I won't discuss on this podcast. But I've got a pretty hard and fast with some types of crimes. Mm -hmm. Um, But in general, I mean, if you went to jail for, you know, narcotics or robbery or whatever the case may be, then, you know, yeah, I'm pretty open to sitting and having a conversation with you at any time. So, yes, I mean, the mentor is very important. But at the same time, the mentee has to recognize they need mentorship. And you can't mentor somebody who doesn't know they need a mentor. Like I always seek out mentorship and some are accidental. But if you don't think you need a mentor or mm. if, you don't, if you aren't in a space where you're in a growth mindset, then you are content with your journey. Um, I am not going to call you and say, I want to mentor you. I will never do that. You know? True. If you call me, yeah, I, just, you know, I want to hang with you once a month or once every two weeks, or you just want to talk to me on
1: occasion. Then, of course, I make time for that.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's, that's actually a good one because I I've never yeah I don't think I've ever seen like a mentor like say hey hey do you, do you need help do you do you want me to give you advice <laughs> It's yeah. it's usually the mentee that's like. Okay, I see the value in this person, and this is someone that I would love to um, learn their values and morals, and see how I'd be able to to learn from them. And yeah, and it's 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 great that when you're a father that has provided that information to your children, especially because that's how you were raised. And two, it's it's great that you're open to have the time for others. Because at times that that is tricky, especially in um, in this this trying time, a lot of folks just you know just like, okay, what 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 can I get from you and stuff and and, and see. But sometimes it is good to pick someone's brain, but you also want to be respectful and mindful of their your time and and, and all that good stuff. Um, what advice would you give someone that is trying to get into this industry?
1: Different podcasting.
0: Hmm. Podcasting? No, no, no. Not. <laughs> <laughs> not podcasting in in mortgage in, industry.
2: <laughs> I, have, I have no podcasting experience. No. no
0: I, I, I know. I see you. You, you go on it like every month. You're, you're just like yeah, I'm yeah. ready. <laughs>
2: yeah i just start from my experience you know me it's not Mm -hmm. i've i've got almost 30 years of doing stuff right businesses failures a few successes here but mostly failures a lot of failures it's easy to speak from that perspective you know what i mean Um, but coming back to joining this industry um, Mm -hmm.
1: it's a business that's the first thing you have to figure out right i mean it's a business create your Mm -hmm. brand
3: Mm
1: find yourself a mentor that's very important Um, find yourself in the right mortgage environment
3: i mean
2: brokerage team exactly Mm -hmm. however you want to do it yes Uh, develop a niche market at some point so the first year or two you'll be a jack of all trades which is what i did Mm -hmm. my first year but then find yourself a niche and become an expert in that niche because that's where you're going to scale the fastest, and yes. you're going to save a lot of time. You're going to not deal with a lot of times you're going to be wasting your time, um, and you become an expert. Let's say all you do is construction financing. You just deal with you know guys who are building infill development, or they're doing you know tunnels development. You become a specialist. Yes. You have a whole stable of lenders. You get any deal done anywhere across the country. You become that person. Or you do commercial mortgages, you know. Um, you understand because the commercial appraisal and the residential appraisal is very, very different. Or you deal with you know a lot of refinances, self-employed clients, people who have you know beacon score challenges, um, or you deal with the first-time buyers, that's your thing. Because what happens in this industry if you're successful in with what you do, your business will become 95% referrals. So the more you develop your niche. The referrals will come from similar type people, because if I am building a plaza
3: mm-hmm. you know,
2: somewhere in Toronto, you know, yeah. three acres of land is twenty thousand square feet, and I got a mortgage who got the finance to me, yeah. then my circle I work with are probably people who are doing similar things. They're doing not necessarily the same project, but similar type of projects. So the referrals will come, and then you become the lawyers will know you're competent. And they will send yes. you referrals. Like when you've got referrals from a lawyer, that's when you know you have done well in the sure. industry. Because lawyers don't normally refer business to a lot of people because they don't want to damage their reputation if you're unsuccessful in delivering, right? So oh, I worked very close with a lawyer who retired a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And we got some referrals from him. And I still work closely with a couple of lawyers within the GTA. Um,
3: okay.
2: You know. So yeah, but de- develop develop, you know, a very a focused point. approach to how you're mm-hmm. going to do the business. Um, build your brand, right? Build your own brand because even if you change companies, mm-hmm. you want to be able to take your clients with you, and not have to reinvent yourself every time. I mean, I see a lot of people who, in the industry, who work for certain mortgage companies, and they've got a mortgage company. Brand front and center. Mm -hmm. That's all you see. So if they decide to go independent or move to another company, they have to Mm -hmm. reinvent themselves, right? And that can take you two or three years, depending. You know how where you were in terms of the earning, the earning. You know how about what your earnings were like in the past, right? So I mean, if your earnings, if you were an average earner, then it can knock you out of the industry. And then continue learning. I mean, there's much information out there. Subscribe to a lot of the uh, periodicals and and the and the articles. Get in the mailing list and get all content from not only the the prime lenders, yeah. but the the mortgage investment corporations. The you know the private lenders um, have a lawyer who you can ask questions to a real estate lawyer because I mean, if you deem it stuff like default management or you know you know new construction clients and got questions for you your credibility goes through the roof and you can hit your lawyer's number and mm-hmm. speed that and he or she answers the phone you yeah. come and speak in your office have that yeah. question answered right there in the spot and it doesn't cost the client any money because lawyers usually start charging once they uh they sit in front of you so if you That's can get true. questions answered out you know your client spending you know Spend up 250 or $500 for, for, for um, that consultation. It really increases your credibility significantly, along with your ability to, to deliver um, great product and service. And don't focus on the money. A lot of people come to the their money focus, and you know, I want to make this much money a month. I mean, once you start to focus on the money, most of mm-hmm. you don't make any. Um, focus on the process. Um, you know, understand the process.
3: Mm-hmm. focus
2: on delivering quality service to your clients. Uh, don't hide from clients. If you can't do a deal, don't ignore the client's call. If there's a problem with a file, don't ignore the client's call. Uh, it's best to deal with the client. If the client's pissed off, you deal with it. Eventually, they're going to come back down and you can explain to them why things went away.
1: Um, you know. uh, so and that's basically it. Yeah, be transparent with the client.
0: That, I liked how you said don't focus on the money (laughs) because I think that's obviously like right now everyone wants different streams of income or as uh, Dr. Bai would say revenue Uh, Mm -hmm. so they're really like "I, I have to I have to work on this cash flow I have to work on my money but I guess in a sense folks will acknowledge that desperation and know that you're not being your authentic self and and not providing the the proper service that someone needs and it is good to calm down (laughs) and provide that I
2: mean I mean you know mortgage they're very big transactions a lot of money involved in mortgage transaction um but if you were focused on you know just trying to make that dollar you mm-hmm. uh, eventually the client sensitive. Yeah, you know, they don't they don't get this. I mean, you can tell that they don't feel the sincerity in your conversation, in your recommendations, right?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, sometimes clients will ask us what our income is and we disclose our commission to a client or a broker fee. I mean, broker fee we disclose up front, we have to. Uh, yes. And the yes. comments on this margin comes to the bank paying you and you tell them, right? You know, and, you know, and be able be prepared to justify why you're earning what you're earning. And mm-hmm. because sometimes all they see is the path now you spent in front of them,
3: yeah. but
2: there's two attributes to work in the background that they don't see between yourself and the land and yourself and the lawyer, right? So if you break it down to where your hourly rate is,
3: mm-hmm. there
2: should be a certain level, yeah. Like Anybody coming to the industry should know what they want to earn per hour. That's, a, that's a something that a lot of folks don't do. I mean, mm. I, know what my, I know what my hourly rate is. You know what I mean? So yeah. I know what that number is. And I've told my son the same thing. So I mean, if you work in a file, Mm-hmm. At some point, you got to know where this buyer is going to be a lost leader. And then you're working pro bono, right? So, okay. I mean, it's That's... important that you figure out what your rate is.
0: That's a good um, way to see it because I I I have dealt, well, I haven't dealt with mortgage brokers per se, but like real estate agents. So I know how time consuming, I'll say, it is to... Do the research,
3: mm-hmm.
0: um, do the house viewings, and all that stuff. I don't know if they've actually sat down and l- try to see like the hourly rate that they spent on the 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 house the house um, overall. So that's a that I, I actually like that. That's that's a one way. To well, I mean,
2: it. remember my first statement was mm-hmm. it's a business. So, if you need to make X number of dollars annually,
3: mm-hmm. then you need
2: to know how much you are earning per hour, and what the client is costing you per hour, right? Yes. I mean, you you you're an accountant student, right?
3: Mm-hmm. Yes.
2: Income yeah. over assets or liabilities, income and expenses, right? So mm-hmm. you have to figure out so, you know, every file we do, if a file is going to be a small file, and I'm going to yes. invest two and a half hours in this process, so. Before before we do anything, the client has all the information. But if I gotta sure. chase you every day for some documents, then I'm gonna take. You, here's your file. Thank you very much. This doesn't make any sense for us. And we do, we do it on occasion. Right? Thank you. A lot. Thanks a lot. But this is, some, this is not a fit what we try to do because I'm not here to work for free for you. You're not mm-hmm. my mother.
3: Right?
2: <laughs> so we don't share any DNA. Right? So thanks a lot. Take your file. Yes. So, I mean, if, if you are a realtor, and you don't you don't be chasing a client every single day. You can't take time off because you don't you don't exactly. understand what your your time is valued. Then mm-hmm. you gotta rethink what you're doing. So for me, it was always time value of money. So my time is very important to me because mm-hmm. I love leisure. Yes, I, I'm by nature very lazy. So I mean, I love doing absolutely nothing.
4: Mm-hmm. But at the
2: same time, I want to be have a decent and relatively comfortable life. If I can do nothing all day and you get paid for it, I'm
1: good, right? So I'm not going to spend all? time <laughs> with somebody. Yeah, where just just for the fun of it,
3: mm-hmm. and
1: that's what I would I would
2: recommend any young agent to do. You know, know what kind of income you want to earn that needs that will allow you to live the life you are living,
0: that that
2: you and a bit more,
3: mm-hmm. and then
2: figure out what you need to earn. What if you need to work six hours a day, ten hours a day four days a week, mm. seven days a week
0: that we do together. Yeah. That's that that is key. And I'm I like the 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 attitude or the boundaries that you have when it comes to like this this file doesn't uh match up or align with what what, what we're trying to do. So mm, mm, that's I like that, and I believe that's just because you've been in the game for so long that you're able to pinpoint which person is just like trying to get a run for your money, or actually serious about that. And it comes back to like the mentee. Like if they're not ready or they don't have the growth mindset, then
2: that's also my
1: personality also.
0: Hmm.
1: I mean, I, I am not, you know. I am not very patient with stupidity. <laughs>
2: um, so I mean <laughs> I'm trying to it as nicely as possible, so I mean uh, if you me don't know what you're trying to, you. to do, then why are you going yeah. involved in your chaos? you know what I mean I have this is' I don't, I'm not ready for this process, so I want no part of your madness. so you keep your inside yourself, <laughs> leave me alone
3: right <laughs> but if, <laughs> you have,
2: if you have if you have, if you have an idea what you're trying to accomplish, like yeah. if you fine-tune it then we work together. If you have some, you know, like, you know, like I've got people who like send me a WhatsApp message. And I tell folks, like, send me an email. Like, okay, everybody communicates a certain way. Some folks Correct. do WhatsApp, but for mm-hmm. a business purpose, you call me or you email me. Because anything else you send me, I might mm-hmm. never see it. That's and i are losing valuable time. So you can WhatsApp me a document and I don't have your phone number, your name in my, in my phone. If I don't know who it is, I, I yeah. don't look at it. I think mean, it's some kind
1: of spam message, right? So the first thing we do is we have to determine
3: mm-hmm.
1: how we're going to communicate. Correct. That's right? true. So that if I have determined we're going to communicate one way,
3: mm-hmm. but
1: you insist
2: communicating another way, then this is not going to work for me. Because now you put, you know, put me out of my comfort zone to try and follow your insanity. And it becomes annoying. Right? Okay. So we're gonna leave this, this process alone. You can figure it out with somebody else who uses WhatsApp to communicate uh, for this their business good. or text messages and that kind of stuff. You know what I
1: mean? Yeah, if I have to go that's...
2: back. You know, I keep emails, I keep emails of posterity. I've got client folders with emails aside from 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. So if you send me a WhatsApp message and I change my phone or I delete it, it's gone. If you call me six months later and say, "Well, I spoke to you this six months ago, and I have no record. I didn't keep your WhatsApp message. Exactly. Right?
0: actually, that's i I agree with that as well. Like the amount of times I've gotten documents via WhatsApp, I'm like,, woo, woo, no. Send me an email because that way I'm able to record it and and it's easier for me to search to find it in the in the future. It's just, As you said, it's a business, and being organized to me is key, Um, and having a, a proper process or structure, I I like. And I like some of the advice that you provided before, but and I know that you have so much experience as a young child. But what are three things you wish you knew about personal finance, like? before that you've learned um throughout the the years
1: that's a tough one for me i mean <laughs> the things that i wish i
2: knew
3: mm-hmm.
2: are things i probably encountered late in my life okay mm-hmm. not i mean you know my my financial dreams are a little different mm. um and then, i mean i worked with a bank very young so i was exposed so for me it's a little different mm-hmm. um the one thing okay. that i the first thing i think i should have taken more advantage of
3: mm-hmm.
2: is how to use puts and calls to leverage the stock market because i day traded a lot but i was obviously scared to do it use put some calls right i didn't understand it very well or i think i was too lazy to actually invest the time to learn um and that's a strategy that really could have uh, that could have really helped me back in the day when I was invested in tech stock back in the nineties. And, you know, we had all these, you know, speculative stock on the bank and stock exchange and, and the Montreal stock exchange and stuff like that. Um, so, I mean, if I could rewind the clock, you know, 30 years, 25 years, you know, somewhere around there, I'd have basically going, gone on to the, the library or the bookstore. Mm-hmm. and I'd have gone and do a couple of courses through the Clean Securities Institute and um, yeah. Uh, that was what I. That's one of the first some edits. Um The other thing is something that's very popular today, which is crypto, and cryptocurrency, and Bitcoin. Um, okay. I just never had any interest in either mm-hmm. crypto nor Bitcoin, so I basically turned my mind off it completely. And I think by doing that, I also missed out an opportunity. Um, you know,
0: like when it just just started
2: yeah because i mean i'm pretty intelligent i think Mm -hmm. um and if i'd actually i think i think what happened with the crypto and the bitcoin to me Mm -hmm. the way it was presented to me was much much like multi-level marketing like the approach was very similar and i have no interest in multi-level marketing type things i mean some folks that's what they do and i can expect that but it's not my thing so everybody who got me involved in terms of the conversation about crypto and Bitcoin. This was like many years ago, probably like about probably almost 10 years ago, eight years ago.
3: Yeah. It
2: always came in that format. Like you're trying to recruit me for some kind of thing that might not work out in the future. Correct. And not, nobody I ever spoke to about either crypto or Bitcoin who were involved in it. Can really give me a logical explanation of how yeah. it worked. Like I never got anybody to tell me. In five minutes, yeah. If you ask me how to do a private mortgage, I can break it down from start to finish, like very easily. But if mm-hmm. you enter crypto and you can't explain to me, you know, hey, mm-hmm. my suppose money goes into a wallet, and like, okay, so what's a wallet? Can I, you know? Okay. But I think for me, I should have done the research myself, and and you spend the you. time, yeah, and take advantage of that ride, yeah, because it was a wild ride. And knowing the way how I've how I've invested in the past, I would mm-hmm. probably, you know, take out your take out your gains, reinvest, take out your principal already, reinvest the gains. So I'm not losing any money now. I just kept on and I'm, I'm not investing my wins, you know what I mean? Yes. Uh, so I'm I'm sort of in hindsight. I'm mm-hmm. sort of a little you know, pissed yeah. off that I didn't get taken <laughs> much seriously.
0: Um, no worries. Yeah. Well that's and, that's sorry to cut you off. That's a good way, and don't worry, I'm going to talk about the the options because I really love options as well. But it is a great thing that you mentioned that because now people see like, okay, I should do my due diligence and have like try to get knowledge of what is out in the world, just so they you know are, are a little bit more holistic with with their learning experience oh, yeah. and growth. And and the third one
1: um don't rush the process i think i think for many
2: of us we rush the success journey Mm -hmm. Um, like we get you know we try and all these approaches like develop a strategy Mm -hmm. um,
1: and and build build your model so you know have some money in the stock market you know
2: do your real estate stuff but have a have a have a game plan um, you know, don't get caught up in the news all the time. I mean, I rushed the process in my 30s. Um, so I I diverted from my game plan
3: mm-hmm.
2: in my 30s. Uh, a little older than that.
3: Mm-hmm. In my
2: early 40s, yeah. Really so, I do guess my age now, but that's I'm almost, <laughs> and I'm almost, 15, I'm almost 59. I'm almost i I'll be 59 in two months, I think. Two months, a month and a half. I can't Something like See, that.
0: Anyway. Folks, black don't crack.
2: <laughs> oh, no, I'm very cracked. My knees crack, man. Don't worry that that's nonsense. Black does crack. My knees crack a whole lot. <laughs> I don't know who tell you all that stuff, man.
1: Get over it. Black cracks real bad. But anyway, <laughs> that's the good conversation. But anyway, <laughs> so what I was saying was um
0: uh, um, process. I,
2: I diverted from my game plan mm-hmm. and got involved investing in stuff and processes that I didn't know enough about with money I'd made somewhere else mm-hmm. and then people who didn't weren't my my peer group or I don't want to use, use the word intellectual equal because that sounds off a little uh, is the word that comes off a little
1: like my e was is overinflated but um so i diverted from my my, my 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 strategy my path mm-hmm. and cost me a lot and i
2: and i allowed them to run me the process while i was doing what i was doing and that mm-hmm. process cost me a lot so if what i'm saying in a nutshell is um if you've got a game plan, if your team is buying single family homes across yeah. Canada, and mm-hmm. you're good at that, you can yeah. analyze the property, you can see a property, you know, just drive by it, you can run your numbers in your head in 30 seconds, and somebody comes to you and say, okay, let's go buy a hotel in Niagara Falls. If that's not your thing, mm-hmm. and you aren't interested in doing it, yeah. if you're interested in dealing with hotel staff and chambermaids and trying to buy fish from this place and chicken from that place, don't get involved in it. you sure. get involved as a lender
1: mm-hmm.
2: or as an investor with very clear-cut guidelines on your money and the repayment period for your money after doing the due diligence that the investment actually makes any sense with your lawyers and your accountant. All right. So focus, stay in your lane and not try to be a jack of all trades, because at some point,
3: mm-hmm.
2: if you're dependent on other people to make your money decisions, based on their risk and their experience, you might yeah. end up losing a ton of money.
1: And I can speak to that with great authority.
0: That is true. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm chuckling because. The advice that you're giving and and what you've learned, I've heard that many times. So I feel like if you hear something constantly, you you gotta start listening, right? Um, And you've said a lot of things that I've heard many, many times, um, like find a niche, um, the jack of all trades. Just focus on one thing so you can specialize and then you'd have more confidence as well and and i i see the confidence in you (laughs) i see it i see it and um hmm, what else uh there's something the options how are how are options different from before to now because I've I've dabbled into options and I like it, but I know I have to do more research with yeah. being more
2: comfortable. Yeah, we have. I'm not actively a they trade anymore. I don't actively invest. My son has a portfolio. Um, mm-hmm. One of my sons. Sorry, my son, yes. One of my sons mm-hmm. has a portfolio. He's more versed in that stuff today. Um, yes. But no, I have focused almost singularly on the real estate part of stuff for the last probably 15 years or more. Um, I do intend to get back into investing in the stock market. Mm-hmm. Um, there's different value in it. And I have more time now to do the research, the analysis mm-hmm. myself. Um, so yes, I do intend to do that.
0: Okay, so it's always good to, to research folks research <laughs> do the due diligence and are there any other avenues that you're that you can discuss that you're working on <laughs> in the future?
2: Um, the focus now is to scale the kids so mm. that they don't that's my primary focus educate right. children yes. uh, our children yes. um, so that they save themselves time.
1: Um, you know, we're looking at doing some development in Northeast Florida, um, you know, multifamily housing, that right. sort of stuff. Um, increase our door count
2: for the rental portfolio um, right. because, you know, the key to a comfortable retirement is having income, not necessarily assets. If you have assets and no income, you got to sell the assets. And if you live a lot too long, you might outlive the asset once you sold it. So for me, the focus is, yes, I need assets, but I need income producing assets, not assets that I have to liquidate them in order to maintain the lifestyle. So you know, we know what our monthly number is going to be um, you know, once we stop working. Yeah. So I'm creating the asset base generate the revenue that will allow us to do that and then transfer that, that those assets to the next generation. Then they can scale those assets up. I mean, if you have to sell one or two of them along the way, mm-hmm. then the answer is definitely yes. But the focus is not to, um, to sell the assets, but have the assets, it was income. I've got a colleague I speak to very frequently, yes. a new friend
3: mm-hmm.
2: or a newer friend. My my friends that I, my close friends I've known since I was about 10 or 11 years old. My (laughs) friends haven't changed a whole lot in the last almost 50 years of my life. Same core, we still run together, right? That is key. (laughs) Yeah, I don't make very new friends very easily. I have a lot of acquaintances, but I make very few friends very easily.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: You gotta prove yourself. We prove ourselves to each other. We shop each other. Uh, Not only in terms of pricing, but in terms of sharing education, having different value systems. And have a different strengths so and i've got friends who are lawyers friends who are cpas friends who are computer guys friends who have agricultural businesses so our core everybody has something they do one of our very good friends actually owns a funeral home so we all actually get a discount on our funeral so that's that's <laughs> a joke <laughs> he has a multi-generational funeral business he has, his mm-hmm. dad was one successful the Homes where we grew up. But um yeah, so one one of my newer friends was telling me he had a lot of assets
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, prior to the pandemic,
3: mm-hmm. but
2: he had to sell them in order to maintain his lifestyle during the pandemic because none of those assets were income generated. Uh, Once you sell the asset, you've yeah, lost any future income. So the focus is on creating a portfolio mm-hmm. that will grow over the years in terms of the asset base, but will give you income. So when we analyze real estate, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of people here, when they invest in in Canada, the focus is to basically buy a property, condo, mm-hmm. and you know, they buy it to $300,000 and it's worth $600,000. And then you sell it. You make your yeah. $300,000 less, whatever, interests and legal fees and capital gains
1: tax and all that good stuff. So you make hundred grand probably 120 grand.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: That's only
1: one year's worth of income. If you're not have So what do
3: you
2: do yeah. for the next 40 years of your life? So for me, the focus is different. Focus mm-hmm. is building that portfolio of multiple properties yeah income producing. so let's say each property generates five hundred dollars a door per unit after all the expenses and capital expenditure, et cetera. Yeah. and then if you know you need to have ten thousand dollars a month to live on, then you need twenty properties. It's a very simple formula right? that is a very so
0: simple. that's what
2: we're working on. we're working on scaling up those units so when
0: mm-hmm.
2: every time and
1: date comes, income doesn't change. But many people are under the illusion that when you retire, your need for
2: money reduces.
0: <laughs> My experience with the bank has
2: taught me otherwise. huh. Because if you are 60 and healthy,
0: uh-huh. you are now on
2: a 25 to 30 year vacation. And most people spend a lot of money when they're on vacation because you pop in bottles all day, every day <laughs> going to the entertainment and the theater. <laughs> you're buying stuff for your grandkids and you're flying your grandkids here and you're buying gifts so That's your true. income may actually go up when you retire as opposed to go, your need for money may actually increase as opposed to decrease when you retire you know and you want to travel you want to jump in your Winnebago and go across the entire country yeah I got a friend of mine just came back from Panama he was there for a month right <laughs> He's retired him and his wife. They just came back. Yeah. They spent a month driving
1: across Panama. I just to see if they like it or not. I didn't ask him that trip cost. My patient cost him around $15,000. So, I mean, if you plan to retire in CPP and order security, you may have a bit of a challenge. <laughs> you plan to stay
2: in your room and watch, you know, reality TV all day long, right? So that's a thought for the audience.
0: Right? That. That's... That's a a different way to strive for your retirement um, or your vacation, as you said, 20-year vacation. Um, You definitely want to see, I I like how you said finding a way to have assets that are producing income and not just having it for show because inflation and things, my gosh. and. Are you actually yeah? Are you worried about how the inflation is going with with mortgages and stuff right now, or it's like? Eh,
1: I mm, mean, me personally,
2: I mean, for my clients.
0: For your clients.
2: Yes, you a to lot prepare. of them have a lot of problems um, because incomes haven't changed. I mean, we have a large client base who are healthcare workers. Yes. Many of those folks during the pandemic had to mm-hmm. basically. Um, <clears throat> Leave their secondary job, so many of them took a 30 percent pay cut because they couldn't work their part-time job. Some have gone back to their part-time job Some have not. So when those mortgages start renewing at higher rates, along with the current cost of living, that has, that has basically doubled in the last three years, for many households, um, there could be challenges. Um, the good thing, though, is I mean that you know we are very proactive with our clients. Stefan is, that's my mm-hmm. son, who does all the mortgage stuff. Nice. Um, we call the client, he calls the clients up front, you know, we get them into strategies to try to mitigate any payment shock and the impact okay. of the increase in rates and that sort of stuff. But yeah, it's been very challenging for a lot of people. You know, we don't want to see those defaults, uh, yeah. particularly folks who have private financing, you know, second mortgage and that sort of stuff, or a higher risk, higher interest rate mortgage because of their higher risk clients. So we try our best to work with those clients with the mm-hmm. strategies so they can stay in their home yes because if you sell your home today because you're forced to and you're in your late 40s or 50s the probability of being able to replace that asset in the future is going to be very very difficult correct yeah and we've seen clients about to sell their homes and they they may get into another home again but they struggle
3: you've
2: mm-hmm. lost all those years of asset of wealth creation of that asset so I mean we, we really try to get to them and have the conversation. and most clients they understand the situation they're in they know the yeah. rates they're going to go from probably three percent to five percent or higher dependent their um, particular circumstances
4: mm-hmm. yeah.
2: um, for myself no I'm not really concerned I have no debt um, you know I have a very simple lifestyle Mm-hmm. I'm not being out and about, you know, trying to eat out every single day and stuff like that. I mean, I, I like my home, i home body.
3: Yeah.
2: Uh, you know, and I've seen higher interest rates. I've seen worse circumstances. So for me, I'm not alarmed or triggered by what's going on.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But I know it, it all. It always comes to an end, and it also presents opportunity if you can just sit down and turn the noise off, and look around you. You know what I mean, so, I, I am not really overly concerned about it on a personal level. Mm. But for our clients, yeah, we tend to get to them as fast as we can, so we can manage the interactions and manage their
1: stress.,
0: okay. I, I like that because being proactive and keeping them in the loop is is key, and bringing down the the stress. <laughs> Because it is a, is it, it is a trying time and all that good stuff. But I feel like they have, they're in good hands, right? Yeah,
2: I, I would hope so. Um, I mean, we've only done it for about, <laughs> since nineteen ninety nine. You know, I mean, Steph yeah. has done it now since I think, but seven years now.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: He's done okay. it for seven years. So I mean, the clients did primarily with him. I don't do with many clients anymore. Uh, my focus is right. a little bit different today.
0: Cruise control.
2: You're on cruise control. Yeah, yeah. I've developed this um, mortgage agent coaching manual. It's nine modules. Okay. Uh, I've delivered it to a couple of agents so far. who receive, who receive it, and they they think it's great. Yeah. Um, my focus is to build the module um, and really take it to another level and use it to train more professionals across North America. Um, yeah. I haven't given it the attention it needs <laughs> for the last little while, um, but yes. yeah, I do intend to and really start to. So my focus is a little different today okay. than dealing with individual clients and trying to get their mortgages. That's something that huh. Stefan does. Yeah.
0: Okay, and and how can the folks contact you? Because I'm I'm glad you mentioned that because I will put it in the show notes and stuff um so they're able to like anyone that's you know a mortgage broker or wants to get into that industry please contact Raymond because he has a lot of knowledge <laughs> i Thank like I honestly it. every time i would hear you on doctor vibe i'm like can we <laughs> take this in <laughs> like i really i really love your energy and this how you're able to explain things and that you would energy. Want. I'm
2: very laid back. I have no energy, man. You I, I
0: very, but I feel I'm borderline energy. full of toes,
2: man. I'm very, <laughs> like, my voice is so flat. I'm like just laid back. I'm not up here doing jumping jacks for nobody, man. <laughs> so no energy.
1: Very relaxed my, energy.
0: The relaxing, but the uh, relaxing energy could be good as well, right? Okay. <laughs> I so, and right. all that good stuff. But how can the folks get in contact?
2: Cause they uh, Just the website, the Macmillan Group Inc. That will show all the contacts we have, or just go to Google, the Macmillan Group, mm-hmm. we are on Google. Those two platforms will send you to any other way you want, email, um, online chat. I mean, you can chat with us on Google, um, go to the website and pull up all of our um, social medias. We're on Instagram. Um, I'm on Instagram. I've got mm-hmm. two profiles on Instagram for the mortgage business. I've got a LinkedIn profile. Um, there's a Facebook page. Uh, there's a couple of Facebook groups also.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh,
2: but I mean, if you send us an email, just go to the website, send us a contact, an email from our contact form, and then we will get back to you. So it's the Group Inc. Dot com, and that's MC.
4: Yeah,
2: and then we'd be more than happy to, to uh, have a conversation. But the best way to interact with us is to stop by our office, Mississauga, have a one-on-one conversation you get much more of us and much more insight than trying if to be in the
0: wild wild west con- yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah and then email
1: conversations
0: true because you're it seems like you like to be like in person and be able to you know have a, a calm relaxing uh, conversation all that good stuff so i definitely put that in the show notes and all that good stuff so folks is there anything else you'd like to
2: Well, folks, before we wrap up for today, I just want to thank you for the opportunity. It was a great conversation. Yeah, I enjoyed chatting. You know what I mean? And anybody has any questions, whether they want to get an opinion. We do business not only in Canada. I do stuff in the Caribbean. Uh, I facilitate transactions in some parts of the Caribbean and parts of Florida. And I've worked with a lot of investors. So we analyze properties to see whether they actually make sense based on what you're trying to buy them for. We don't Mm -hmm. just guess based
1: on, you know, mortgage payment and and rent income. There's a lot more to that when it comes into buying real estate. Um, You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, it definitely, um, that is the game plan in the next year or two so we will be in in contact <laughs> and all that good stuff. Gotta fix up my my eggs in all the baskets and all that good stuff so they're all set in mm-hmm. order. Uh because you know generational wealth and scaling is is key. And uh, yeah
2: yeah yeah and don't feel rushed to do anything before you're ready. I mean I think many mm-hmm. people rush into buying property out doing the proper analysis and approach because their friend or their best friend or somebody bought a property. Um, You know, like, you know, do it when it's ready for you. Um, Mm
3: -hmm.
2: And you don't have to buy a property to live in. You can buy it to rent it and stay in your dad's home, your parents' home, Mm -hmm. right? So, I mean, you can buy a property and have it make you money because the property you live in in Canada, it's necessarily not going to make you a lot of money, right? Sure. Unless you have roommates or you rent your basement. But mm-hmm. if you are in a position where you have, you know, you don't have a family of your own as yet, and I'm not speaking in general, no, in general terms to the audience, yes. if you don't have, yes, if you're, yes. you know, in your 20s or 30s, you're not married, you're single, with no children,
3: mm-hmm. and you
2: have some savings, then find yourself the right property that would pay for itself and give you some mm-hmm. cash flow, or at least break even, and build that portfolio from there instead of waiting to buy your dream house to live in because that seems to be the the whole mindset today the, the dream house buying. And dream houses don't make you money. They cost you a lot of money
0: mm-hmm. right? i'm oh. I'm glad you said that because I think that is some of the issue. um and i'll I'll say like millennials that they're either looking for their dream home based on what they've seen others and then also rushing the process because we're like okay my other friends are have two homes or or houses in in Guyana or Jamaica I I I gotta be on their same level but (laughs) take time (laughs) trust the process and all that good stuff right yeah golly But on that note, folks, make sure you guys contact Raymond. Thank you so much for blessing the stage. It's an honor. I I feel like I'm becoming a celebrity like Dr. Vibe. (laughs) (laughs) I know he'll laugh at that one. And uh, folks, just make sure you like, subscribe, and all that good stuff. And even though Andre isn't here, I always represent with uh, his song and everything. So that is how we're going to queue out and all that good stuff. Until next time, folks, blessings, blessings, blessings. Thank you. Thanks a lot,
2: Camille. Good night, everybody. You guys stay safe. Enjoy all the right. weekend.
0: And stay warm, too. <laughs> oh,
2: yeah. Depends <laughs> where you are in the, in the world. Some folks might be in a very warm place.
0: That is true. <laughs>